You're listening to The Spiritual Awakening Show. I'm your host, Brent Spirit, and this is another Kundalini Awakening Q&A compilation. In today's compilation, we'll be covering topics such as Kundalini Awakening, Meditation and Bliss, Free Will and Destiny, Head Pressure, Isolation and Loneliness, and more. Feel free to join us for the next meeting on Zoom. You can visit brentspirit.com slash kundaliniqa for more info. At the moment, it's free to join. As well, you can check out the other parts of this series. There's over 70 talks and interviews on the Kundalini Awakening process. Did you know I have a flagship 8-hour video course out? It's called Grounded, Spiritual Emergence and Integration. We go very deep into how to embody your far-out spiritual awakening in the world as a human being with everything that comes with it, like a fleshy body, a nervous system, responsibilities, relationships, emotions, and purpose. I'm really proud of this course. Of course, I didn't rush to make it. It took me 10 years of personal exploration and supporting others going through spiritual awakening to understand these concepts. I've put it together in plain English, and I've held nothing back. Of course, it's very much applicable for those going through the Kundalini awakening process. So if you're feeling ungrounded and energetically unstable, you can check it out at brentspirit.com grounded. Don't forget to leave a rating for the show on Spotify and hit follow. You can also find me on YouTube at Brent Spirit. Enjoy the episode. In this segment, we'll be discussing Kundalini Awakening, Meditation, and Bliss, also known as Ananda. So Taze, I hope I'm saying your name right, Taze. Taze says, in the beginning of my Kundalini Awakening, I used to have a pretty good meditation, usually hours twice a day. This year, it is hard to get a few minutes. This is normal. I'm missing the bliss. Yes, it is somewhat normal, not unheard of for the quality of our meditation to oscillate, to dwindle at times, it can become rather difficult. Um, and this is when a lot of people may give up meditation. Um, I say sit, continue, excuse me, um, continue to sit as often as you can uh, at ease with whatever's coming up. Even if it's very difficult to meditate, meaning you're having a lot of thoughts, you can't relax in your body, you're feeling restless, uh, continue to sit with those experiences as well. Emotions may come up, continue to sit with them. Uh, throughout my process, when I learned to meditate, I actually went on a, a, a Vipassana retreat you know, 10, 11 years ago, and that's how I learned to meditate. And those meditations were generally quite peaceful. But then Kundalini awakened and the peace was gone. It became like meditation became total chaos. But I understood that the container of meditation is a safe place for the chaos to come up, for the restlessness to come up. Um, it's not all about peace and bliss. Um, I see here you're writing that you're missing the bliss. Yes, I understand. Bliss um, can can cause a lot of uh, attachment as well. Be mindful of that. This path is not necessarily about bliss. It's not necessarily about feeling joyful or happy per se. It's about coming to a point where we're okay with whatever's arising, knowing that nothing is permanent. Nothing will last. The bliss will come and go. The pain will come and go. And we're at ease with the flow of it all. So the bliss comes to... For multiple reasons, to give us a great taste. Yes, something very real is happening on your spiritual path. Keep going. And then it leaves to say, okay, hey, don't get attached. <laughs> the bliss is a great teacher in this way.
In this segment, we'll be talking about Kundalini and the paradox of awakening. So yes, everything is God, in my view. God is not the right word for you, no problem. Everything is light. Everything is consciousness. And then, of course, like Fala is saying, Kundalini awakening is the light waking up in us, God waking up in us, expansion of consciousness, of course. So it's paradoxical, and um, it requires the ability to take a step back and look at the two different paradigms and see if you can hold them simultaneously. It's kind of like looking at pixels on a screen. You're watching a movie. You see that there's are actors. You know that they're, um, you know, they're following a script. They're characters. That's one level. On the other level, you know that maybe this is, you know, like Brad Pitt or something, and he has his own life, and he's playing the character in the movie. You you recognize that. On another level, you recognize that you're looking at pixels and flashing lights on a piece of glass in your house. So there's many levels, and we're able to. Uh, pick and choose which one we want to consider, right? When you want to, in, when you're interested in the gossip about Brad Pitt, you you forget his characters on the TV and you think about, you know, he's dating this person or whatever. When you're concerned with your TV, it's flickering, it's not working. Now you're concerned with the TV. You're not concerned with the movie. So, in the broadest perspective, yes, this is all God. It's all divine. It's all consciousness. But then, in your perspective, in your life, have you been living? in a way that directly reveals that to you. For most of us, up until the awakening point, no, we were living as if we weren't God. We were living as if we weren't living in, in all just a, a, a sort of dream of consciousness. We were pretending or buying into the idea that we are individual characters here and therefore we have to play offense or defense in the world and suffer and uh, there's no support and blah, blah, blah. And that's, you know, maybe it's outdated for us. So now... The journey that we're on says, okay, we're going to now remember who we are. And now we go through the awakening process and we start to remember, oh, this whole time I thought I was a separate individual. Turns out I wasn't. I was part of the light. Turns out everybody was part of the light. Turns out we're all good here. So that's the drama that's unfolding here. It's difficult to, uh, to, to make sense of. That's why we have to go through the journey. And that's why often there are teachings that, you know, the, we, there's an emphasis of silence, right? Um, Lao Tzu wrote in Tao Te Ching, um, you know, the Tao cannot be spoken, right? Um, those who speak do not know, those who know do not speak, right? These There's an element of silence here that cannot be expressed in the words. So words will always trip you up, always going to trip you up because they cannot capture the essence of what's really happening here. You have to feel it. You have to live it. So um, I would say, yes, everything is God. All is God for sure. It's true. The, our work is to bring our lives into alignment with that truth. I don't think we'll ever come into a point where we live in perfect alignment with it. I don't think we're being asked to do that, but we're being asked to try and do our best. So that's the work that we're, we're, we're that's the journey that we're on. And there's, there's, a, there's a, a line by, you know, Sri Ramana Maharshi. He says, the world is illusory. Brahman alone is real. Brahman is the world. So it's paradoxical. Yes, it's all an illusion. It's all God. And God is the illusion. And this is the dance that we're unfolding here. Because uh, what else would there be if there wasn't this world? There would just be light, just pure white light. And we wouldn't be able to interact. We wouldn't be able to have any of the drama, any of the excitement, any of the you know various manifestations of the world. And in order for us to have these many manifestations in the world, well, there has to be some sort of 
quote unquote, forgetting that we are just the pure white light to return here into these bodies and go through the unfolding. In this segment, we'll be talking about Kundalini awakening, free will, and destiny. The idea of free will is based on the idea that there's somebody there to have the free will, aka you as the ego, which means that you feel that you're separate in the world and that you have to, um, you know, do this or that and control and whatnot. What happens with this process as we awaken is we realize that the ego is just in our mind, it's just one thought arises at a time and passes away. There's nobody there. There's no ego there. There's no self there. So who is the one with the free will? Instead, from that place, then we recognize it's all unfolding according to destiny, all unfolding, unfolding according to God's will. So we can surrender into that. However, that doesn't mean that we just lay on our couch and just say it's all God's will. No, we say it's all God's will and that's what's moving through me. That's what's inspiring me to share these words. That's what's inspiring me to go on a walk or call my friend. And destiny is useful when things are difficult and we can look back and say, okay, there's a larger unfolding here. I'm not going to resist so much. But it can be a little uh, debilitating if we use it to spiritually bypass our responsibilities. Conversely, free will can be useful when we have responsibilities and things to get done in our lives. Like taking care of ourselves, taking care of the people that um, you know depend on us, living our purpose. But it can get in the way if we want to start controlling things that are out of our control. So we want to find a balance between the two things, the two paradigms. The reason that I speak about destiny is because it's it's it works for me. It doesn't necessarily work for everybody. But for the most part, we all come from a paradigm of control, control, control. And so injecting a little bit of this idea of destiny into the conversation, I think it's useful to snap us out of some of this uh, unnecessary tight grip on wanting to control everything. Investigate who is the one who's who's got this control and you'll find there's there's nobody there. There's just things arising on their own. In this segment, we'll be discussing loneliness, isolation, and when others leave your life during the Kundalini awakening process. When it comes to people um, you know, giving us space, leaving our, our, our lives, not being as close or as in touch. One thing that's coming to me to say is yes, this is part of the process because it's no different than, uh, you know, going to a retreat center and taking a vow of silence and doing the work. It's just that now, like the vow of silence is being imposed on you because other people aren't engaging with you per se. I think I've mentioned it before. It's like the ashram is coming to you. And all of the characters in our life, they're in on it. Like they're in on the orchestration for creating the space for you to find solitude to do this work. Now, that's one way of looking at it. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. It's lonely. I understand. When people say don't respond to us, they're giving us space. And conversely, they're also giving us some homework. They're pushing our button and saying, okay, address some of the, uh, the abandonment wound. Address mm -hmm. some of the unworthiness, the clinginess, the longing. Deal mm -hmm. with that. That's come up now. And then they take space so you can address it. Uh, this is what I found in my own life. Other people, they I mean, you can't tell them, hey, you're, you know, part of, you're in on my spiritual awakening journey. They, they won't acknowledge it. Of course not. But uh, they very much are in on it. They're following 
their own intuition. They're following the script that's been laid out to help you to evolve and accelerate your awakening. So this is one thing to keep in mind. It can also work in, in beneficial ways. For me, when this, when this, I, I had to go, um, you know, uh, into my room, into solitude, I quit my job on the spot and I was, you know, with my parents and for some reason they just stopped bothering me. They stopped for six <laughs> weeks straight. I cried in my room, meditated in my room, didn't leave only to go to the bathroom, eat, maybe go for a walk. And I just went back in my room. And for the first time in my life, they stopped bothering me and telling me, go get a job or what are you doing? Or, you know, they stopped bothering me. And it's because I like to think they were hypnotized. It's like God came over and said, leave this guy alone. Don't bother him. And so in some respect, God is going over to those people in your life and saying, no, don't respond. She needs space. And they're following the script because they have no choice. That's a really good way to look at it. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> In this segment, we'll be discussing kundalini awakening and head pressure. Um, I have a question about the energy going up to the head because last week um, I felt <clears throat> I felt the energy move up to my head again. So that's the second time it's happened. Uh, first, I thought I was getting a headache, which I don't really get, and I don't really get headaches anymore. So I was like, "Oh, what's caused that?" And then I realised it wasn't a headache because the pressure in my skull became quite um, big, and you know, it felt like uh, my skull was like being blown up with a bicycle pump, and there was like more and more pressure coming. Um, but both times it's come up to my head. I feel it like in, in the crown, but inside the skull. And then, and then at the third eye, it feels like it wants to like, um, push out. But this time it was a lot, uh, in the kind of crown area. Um, but I have never felt it like come out of the top of my head yet. Um, and then it was it was like that for a few minutes, and then it went. I, I felt that it kind of went back down, and then I I get this thing where I have like um, almost like an anxiety over swallowing, like an inability to swallow. I get a little bit. I was like, why is that happening? I get a little bit panicky, and it's like I have to kind of almost think myself through a kind of swallowing motion. And then it and then it's gone. So it seems to like move up, put a lot of pressure inside my skull, and then move back down again. But my question is, well, what is that all about? But how do I how do I get it to? Because the the ideal is for it to come out of the skull, right? But it feels like it's like can't can't kind of pop out. Right, right, yeah. So this can be difficult. It can be confusing and, and frustrating, and and physically uncomfortable at times. Um, I just want to acknowledge your clarity in being able to discern between head pressure and a headache. That's yeah, admirable. It was quite different because at first, because I, I used to get a lot of headaches. Um, so I was thinking, why have I got a headache? I hadn't drunk any wine recently or anything like that. And then I realized no, it's not because I could feel a very different kind of um, pressure and it was in the very specific parts of my head there and there. So, right. yeah. Yeah. 
So um, yeah, keep leaning into those skills. And I invite everybody to see if they can cultivate similar skills to be able to discern the subtleties in experience. And that way we can also um, find clarity on ourselves. You know, sometimes we do have a genuine headache, a migraine, sometimes it's something else. Um, so that, that's a good skill to have. But overall, the energy in the long run, its intention, yes, is to open the crown and move through. But when you have the experience of it moving into the head and then going back down, it doesn't mean that like something is wrong or anything like that. It makes its way in phases, in stages, gradually over time. For most people, it doesn't happen in one shot. If it does happen in one shot, um, you know, I could say that my experience was this way as well, though even my experience happened in many phases over many years. But I did have an experience where it blasted through my, my head in a very rapid and intense way. And I had six months of fallout afterwards because it was so intense. So in some respects, you can be a little bit understanding and appreciative of the gradual sort of slow and steady process that you're going through and not feel this urge to want to accelerate it or push it or anything like that. Either paradigm, they're both difficult. Whether it happens in one shot, you have a lot of fallout after. If it happens slowly, gradually, it can also be difficult. So I want to acknowledge that as well. Um, just know that the energy knows what it's doing. It's not that like it's trying to do something and it reaches your head and then it goes, oh, you know, Claire didn't do enough of the work. Got to go back <laughs> down. It's not It's not like that. Every time it makes its way through and you feel something, something is is being cleared. Something is being activated and upgraded. Even on the way back down, it's very efficient energy. So even on the way down, it's going to do something or the other on the way down. And that's why you may feel a little choked up or something uh, arises emotionally. So just know up and down, the energy is going through. I like to think about it's like, you know, in, in you know, a sort of symbolic way, it's like our, our central channel is like a dirty pipe. And this is a flood water moving through up and down. It's cleaning out this pipe like a pipe cleaner. And so back and forth, it's it's doing its work. So nothing to worry about here. You can, of course, take uh, you know care to cultivate uh, like more meditative presence, um, um, eat well, um, cultivate clarity uh, by doing your part to support the process. But don't feel as if this is all on you. This is God, and it know God knows what what I like to say she is doing. The Divine Mother knows what she's doing. You just trust and surrender and all will be well. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I did think, oh, damn, it's kind of got up to the head and then it's, I haven't, you know, it's not, it's not kind of done it properly. It's gone yeah. back down. I was like, oh, what? And then I was like, well, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> yeah, just surrender and just, just, just surrender and trust that it has its own agenda and plan. And, you know, one paradigm I can share is that, just to get us to zoom out here and see that there's a very large unfolding here. Other things need to fall in place in our life before we have certain shifts in our own inner process. So for example, our relationships may need to enter into a new phase. We may need to encounter the right book. You may need to have watched the right talk or the video so that when these things happen, you know immediately what to do or, or, or what's next or it makes sense. All the pieces need to fall in place externally as well so that the internal process can carry itself out. So I, I hope that's clear. It, it's I know it's a little confusing. You don't want all of this to happen internally and have nothing in place externally. God, the universe, the divine, the kundalini is also placing things externally in your life. The right books will be 
you know, maybe at the bookstore, the videos, your algorithm on YouTube, it's all getting set up so that the moment you need the right thing, it's there in place. So you don't want to rush anything. Let it all unfold according to the divine plan. Intense process yeah. that involves every dimension of our lives, not just the inner process with our chakras, every aspect of our lives. So we don't want to push one aspect without the other one. We all we let it all unfold according to, to the bigger plan. Thank you.